Welcome to Gospel Truth with Andrew Womack, a teaching ministry that focuses on God's unconditional love and grace. It's like he was just putting the pieces together for me in such a way that just was simple but powerful. And I was like, yeah, this is, this is God's truth right here. It wasn't always what I, what I wanted to hear, but I knew it was the truth, and I always wanted the truth. And now, here's Andrew. Welcome to our Thursday's broadcast of the Gospel Truth. I'm nearing the end of my second week of teaching on this new book that I've got entitled, More Grace, More Favor. It says in James chapter 4 that God gives more grace and He gives grace to those who humble themselves. So when you walk in humility before God, you get more grace and more favor. That's a brand new book. And I tell you, it, this has been a powerful teaching. What I started on yesterday is this teaching right here entitled, Self-Centeredness, the source of all grief. And we are making this a free offer to anyone who gets either the book, the CDs, or the DVDs. We offer those for a gift of any amount. We have a suggested donation, but if you give whatever, we will give you the book, CDs, or DVDs, and then we'll throw this in as an extra bonus. And I tell you, this teaching on self-centeredness is amazing. Yesterday, I was using Proverbs chapter 13, verse 10, that says, only by pride cometh contention. Only. It didn't say it's a leading cause. It's a major cause. For those that have type A personalities, it's the cause of strife. No, it is the only way that strife comes. Strife or contention doesn't come because of what's done to you. It's what's on the inside of you. It's like there has to be this cord on the inside of you for people to strike it and to make that aggravation. You can't control other people, but you can control what's on the inside of you. And I've given some examples of this of people that have done terrible things to me, and I honestly forgot it. You know why? Because if you die to yourself, if you present yourself as a living sacrifice and get to where you love people and God more than you love yourself, then rejection and stuff will just roll off of you like water off a duck's back. And I know that there's people watching this that think, you're crazy. It, that is impossible. It cannot work that way. That's because uh, psychology has crept in, even to the church, to where we believe that if you know somebody does something to you and if you don't just fall apart like a $2 suitcase, if you don't cry, if you don't go through some kind of a trauma, then you're in denial. I am in denial. I'm not denying that people treat me badly, but I am denying that I have to sit there and let their evaluation of me control me and control my actions. That's bondage. Boy, people think about, you know, I'm just a free spirit. No, you aren't a free spirit because all somebody's got to do is come up and do something that you don't like. And man, you can't control yourself. You get out of control. You say things, do things that later you wished you hadn't have done. That's not free. That's bondage. I tell you, the person who's free is the person who has dealt with self on the inside so that people, if they come up and spit on you or do whatever, it's not that big of a deal. You aren't the center of your universe. You love God and other people more than you love yourself. You know, I've literally had that happen. Downtown Charlotte, North Carolina, I was witnessing to a person and the guy didn't like what I was saying. He had a big old wad of chew of tobacco in his mouth and he spit it right in my face and rolled down on my shirt. 
AND YOU COULD ASK THE PERSON WHO WAS WITH ME, I DIDN'T MISS A WORD IN THE SENTENCE. I STILL WITNESSED TO HIM. I JUST KEPT TALKING TO HIM. I DIDN'T TAKE IT PERSONALLY. AND I KNOW SOME OF YOU THINK, YOU CAN'T DO THAT. SOMETHING'S WRONG WITH YOU. I THINK SOMETHING'S WRONG WITH YOU BECAUSE WE LIVE IN A FALLEN WORLD. AND I CAN GUARANTEE YOU, SATAN IS ALWAYS GOING TO HAVE SOMEBODY THAT HE CAN PUSH THEIR BUTTONS AND GET THEM TO COME ACROSS YOUR PATH. AND IF YOU'RE THE PERSON THAT'S WAITING UNTIL EVERYBODY TREATS YOU RIGHT BEFORE YOU'RE HAPPY AND THINGS ARE GOOD IN YOUR LIFE, YOU'RE NEVER GOING TO BE HAPPY. SATAN WILL ALWAYS FIND SOMETHING TO RUB YOU THE WRONG WAY. I TELL YOU, IT IS FREEDOM AND LIBERTY WHEN YOU JUST LOSE YOURSELF IN GOD TO WHERE I WAS WITNESSING TO THIS GUY AND I WAS SO INTENT, I COULD FEEL THE COMPASSION OF GOD FLOWING THROUGH ME TO THIS GUY AND I WASN'T GOING TO GET SIDETRACKED FROM TRYING TO MINISTER TO HIM. I WAS MORE CONCERNED ABOUT HIM THAN I WAS ABOUT MYSELF AND BECAUSE OF IT, I WAS WILLING TO JUST GO ON AND DEAL WITH THINGS. NOW THAT'S LIBERTY. THAT'S FREEDOM. AND IT COMES WHEN YOU QUIT BEING SELF-CENTERED. JUST LIKE THIS VERSE SAYS, ONLY BY PRIDE COMES CONTENTION. SOME PEOPLE WOULD SAY, WELL, NO, THE REASON YOU WERE MAD IS BECAUSE OF WHAT HE DID. NO, THE REASON I WASN'T MAD IS BECAUSE OF WHAT I HAD DONE ON THE INSIDE DEALING WITH ME. YOU CAN DEAL WITH YOURSELF TO THE POINT THAT YOU JUST DON'T... YOU DON'T RESPOND THE WAY THAT YOU WERE BROUGHT UP TO RESPOND. NONE OF US WERE BROUGHT UP TOTALLY IN THE LORD. EVEN IF YOU WERE RAISED IN A CHRISTIAN FAMILY AND HAD A GREAT GODLY INFLUENCE, WE ALL HAVE HAD MORE OF THIS WORLD MODELED TO US THAN WHAT GOD WOULD LIKE US TO HAVE. NONE OF US HAVE HAD A PERFECT EXAMPLE. BUT THE SCRIPTURE SAYS THAT THE WRATH OF MAN, JAMES CHAPTER 1, DOES NOT WORK THE RIGHTEOUSNESS OF GOD. YOU AREN'T GOING TO ACCOMPLISH A GODLY END BY GETTING INTO THE FLESH AND DOING THINGS IN YOURSELF. YOU KNOW, THESE PROTESTS AND THINGS THAT WE'VE SEEN, IF PEOPLE UNDERSTOOD ANY OF THESE THINGS I'M TALKING ABOUT, THEY WOULDN'T BE DOING THOSE THINGS. RIOTING, BREAKING GLASS, LOOTING, SHOOTING PEOPLE AND DOING THINGS SOMEHOW OR ANOTHER. THIS ISN'T GOING TO ACCOMPLISH ANYTHING GODLY. AND YET I CAN GUARANTEE YOU, THERE ARE SOME PEOPLE WHO ARE CHRISTIANS WHO HAVE BEEN BORN AGAIN. THERE MIGHT EVEN BE SOME SPIRIT-FILLED PEOPLE THAT ARE PART OF THESE RIOTS AND THESE THINGS GOING ON, THINKING THAT SOMEHOW OR ANOTHER THAT THIS IS GOING TO ACCOMPLISH A GODLY END. THE WRATH OF MAN DOES NOT ACCOMPLISH THE RIGHTEOUSNESS OF GOD. YOU'RE EXALTING YOUR OWN WISDOM, YOUR OWN THINKING. YOU'RE GOING BY THE GROUP MENTALITY, THE GROUP THINK. YOU'RE JUST LIKE AN ANIMAL. YOU'RE FOLLOWING THE HERD. YOU'RE BEING MANIPULATED BY PEOPLE. IT'S NOT GOING TO PRODUCE GODLY THINGS. ONLY BY PRIDE. THE ONLY THING THAT MAKES PEOPLE SO ANGRY IS THE FACT THAT THEY ARE SO SELF-CENTERED. LET ME SHARE A PASSAGE WITH YOU OVER HERE OUT OF um, NUMBERS CHAPTER 12. I REFERRED TO THIS IN PASSING uh, AT THE VERY BEGINNING OF THIS TEACHING, BUT I JUST WANT TO GO BACK AND READ THIS. NUMBERS CHAPTER 12, VERSE 1. IT SAYS, AND MIRIAM AND AARON SPAKE AGAINST MOSES. MIRIAM AND AARON WERE THE SISTER AND BROTHER OF MOSES, AND THEY SPAKE AGAINST MOSES BECAUSE OF THE ETHIOPIAN WOMAN WHOM HE HAD MARRIED, FOR HE HAD MARRIED AN ETHIOPIAN WOMAN. ETHIOPIANS WERE BLACK. MOSES WAS THE, LIKE THE ORI, uh, NOT the ORIENTAL, BUT THE MID-EASTERN COMPLEXION OF THE JEW. AND IT SAYS IN VERSE 2, AND THEY SAID, HATH THE LORD INDEED SPOKEN ONLY BY MOSES? HATH HE NOT SPOKEN ALSO BY US? AND THE LORD HEARD IT. AND IT SAYS IN THE NEXT VERSE, THIS IS A PARENTHETICAL PHRASE THAT WAS PUT IN THERE. IT SAYS, NOW THE MAN MOSES WAS VERY MEEK 
above all of the men which were upon the face of the earth. That is just one amazing statement. You know, we don't know how many people were alive at this time, but when Moses brought the children of Israel out of the land of Egypt, there was over three million of them, and they were the minority. So there had to be more than three million Egyptians, probably six million Egyptians. That would make at least nine million. That doesn't include all of the people that were in the land of Canaan and stuff. There was at least, I'm sure, 10, 20 million. Who knows how many millions of people on the planet at this time. And Moses was the meekest man on the planet. What a statement. And here's the point I'm wanting to get across. Guess who wrote that? Moses wrote that. God led Moses to say, I am the meekest man on the planet. Now, let me ask you a question. If we were in a room together, let's say there was a hundred people, and I said, let's pray and ask God to show who's the meekest person. And so we're going to all ask God. And if God tells you that you are the meekest person in this room, raise your hand and you let us know. Did you know most people would say, there's no way I'm going to stand up and say I'm the meekest person. What would everybody think about me? They'd be judging me and thinking I'm promoting myself. If that's what your reaction would be, then you aren't truly meek. Meekness is not just exalting your, or lack of exalting yourself, but it's also not debasing yourself. Meekness, or you could say humility, is just having the opinion about yourself that God has whatever that is. And if he's got a good opinion about you, if God says something good about you, it's not arrogance for you to sit there and and say what God has done. You know, at the risk of people misunderstanding me, I'm going to tell you some things here just to illustrate what I'm talking about. But we, over the last 10 years, have built over $80 million worth of buildings debt-free. And uh, we have a lease on some other... Altogether, we have uh, like $129 million, I think it is, worth of assets with about $18 million worth of debt, which I'm knocking out just as quickly as I can. Did you know it's not pride for me to say that because I am not taking credit for it to myself. I'm the one that God asked to do it. I'm the one that He... He's blessed me. I'm so blessed that he would choose me to do it, but I'm not claiming that I did it. I'm giving the glory to God. See, humility isn't denying something good if God has done something good through you. I've seen blind eyes open, deaf ears open, people come out of wheelchairs. I've seen the dead raised. I'm not saying that to pat me on the back. I'm saying that it's God. He's the one that promised that the works that he did, I would do also, and even greater works than these would I do because he goes unto his father in John chapter 14 in verse 12. Jesus said that. And if I sit there and say, well, I would never claim that I could do the same works that Jesus did. Who do you think you are? Well, you're operating in pride because you are exalting your own opinion of yourself above what God said about you. You're saying that God, no, I'm not there. I can't do this. That's arrogance. It's humility to say about yourself what God says. If he says that you're the righteousness of God, it'd be wrong for you to sit there and say, oh, I'm just a poor old sinner saved by grace. No, I was a sinner, but I got saved by grace, and now I am the righteousness of God. Even when I don't fully live up to it and I don't do everything right, I'm still the righteousness of God. True humility is going to say about itself what God says. 
If God told Moses to write, now the man Moses was the meekest man on the face of the earth. If God inspired him to write that, which he did, and that's the reason it's recorded in Scripture. And if Moses wouldn't have recorded it, that would have been pride. Worrying about what everybody's going to think about him. Are they thinking that he's bragging? That would have been pride. It was humility for Moses to sit there and write what God inspired him to write. It's humility for me to give God credit and to brag on God and talk about the great things that God has done in the people's lives that are changed. I'm not saying that for my benefit. I'm saying it for His benefit. I'm glorifying Him and magnifying Him. There has to be a redefinition of what pride is and what humility is. You know, I was raised in a church that there was this one lady that every time she got up, she'd say, y'all pray for me uh, as I try and sing. God said, make a joyful noise. I know I don't have the best voice, but you'd pray for me. And then she starts singing and she had this trained voice. You know, she did. She wasn't sincere. This is a religious con. People have basically been thought that, you know, you can put yourself down and, and debase yourself. That's humility. No, not if you... If God has given you a talent and if you aren't owning up to it and, and praising God for it, giving Him the credit, but acknowledging that, yes, something good is done through me, then that's just a religious con. That's not true humility. I guarantee you, I could have gone up to that woman during the week in a grocery store and have said, you know what? I agree with you. You really don't have a very good voice. It's not good at all. And see if she just says, well, that's what I was telling you. No, that wouldn't have been her response. She would have said, how dare you say that? She had a higher opinion of that, or of herself and her singing ability than what she was letting on. It was like a backhanded way of trying to get a compliment, put herself down, hoping that somebody had come up and say, oh, you really have a great voice. She was seeking, fishing for a compliment. I heard a story about a church that took a vote to see who was the most humble person in the whole church, and everybody agreed it was dear old brother so-and-so. So on Sunday, they brought him up and they gave him this huge button that was like this, a red button with white letters on it that said, Humble. And they presented him with this humble button. And because he accepted it, they took it away. Because religion says if you're truly humble, you wouldn't even know it. You certainly wouldn't ever say it. You certainly would never accept a humble button or anything like that. See, that's religion. But here's, here's uh, Moses under the inspiration of the Holy Ghost saying, I am the most humble person on the planet. And if he hadn't have written that down, that would have been pride. Humility isn't just, you know, debasing yourself. It's not going above what God says, but it's also not going below. It's just saying about yourself what God says. You know, when the Lord spoke to me and told me I had limited him by my small thinking, one of the things that was me limiting him was that I had this false humility. I, you know, you don't just get delivered of this all at once. It's like it's, it's a progression. It's things you go through. And even though I'd been in the ministry for a long period of time, I, I wondered, what are people going to think if I go to telling them that someday I'm going to have a ministry that will span the globe? And, you know, right now, it's really come to pass. We reach over 3 billion people 
on a daily basis with my television program. That's the potential. Not that many watch, but that is the potential. We have, I think it's 16 or 17 offices around the world, somewhere around 65 to 70 Bible schools. You know, the sun never sets on this ministry and the things we're doing. I'm not saying that to pat me on the back. I'm saying it to fulfill what God told me. And when the Lord spoke to me on January the 31st, 2002, one of the things He told me that was limiting Him was that I had this false pride. I was afraid to speak out my vision and tell people what God had called me to do because I didn't want people to think that I was prideful, that I was arrogant, and that was hindering things. So... Pride isn't just going above things. It's also going below things. It's not sharing the truth. It's not being free to say what is really on your heart because you're afraid of people's reaction. That's pride. Now, there's a balance here. There are some times that you don't cast your pearls before the swine. You don't just sit there and expose things to people that won't value the things that you value, and they just speak forth their hatred and unbelief. There's wisdom to use, but I'm saying that when you are so afraid of what people have to say about you, and you are into self-promotion and you're needing everybody else's approval before you can do things, that's not good. That's a place of pride, and you got to go beyond that. So when it says that only by pride cometh contention, this isn't only talking about arrogance. This is talking about people that are not dependent upon God. They're doing things their own way. It's talking about people who are into this false humility and debasing themselves. Basically, it just comes down to self-centeredness. If you are self-focused and worried about what everybody thinks about you and you're doing things thinking about how is this going to affect me, then that's pride. And that's what causes contention, not what other people do to you. That is a major, major statement. Let me make some statements here that at first you may think this isn't true, but think about this. Let the Holy Spirit show you. I believe He'll bear witness with it. But you know what? If other people are constantly coming against you and criticizing you, and if that's hurting you and grieving you, and things like this, that is not because of them. It's because of what's on the inside of you that makes you so worried and so dependent upon their approval. You can literally get to a place to where you fall in love with God so much and He becomes so much your only heart's desire that it really doesn't matter what somebody else has to say about you. It doesn't matter if other people give you the credit that you think you're due or not. All you're worried about is about pleasing God. You can reach that place. I'm not saying that I'm there, but I'm saying that's where I'm headed. I may not have arrived, but I've left. I'm a lot closer than I used to be. I can remember a time that I was ministering once and a guy came walking up to me afterwards and he just started reading me the riot act and telling me all of the things that I had done wrong. And uh, I just stopped him right in the middle of his deal. And I said, who died and made you God? And he says, what do you mean? And I said, you aren't God. I really don't care what you think about me. He says, well, you shouldn't. I said, I don't. I said, compared to God, you're nobody. I said, I don't value your opinion. The only people that will ever let you down are the ones that you lean upon. 
I didn't value this man's opinion. I valued God's opinion, and to the best of my ability, I was saying what God had told me to do, and I didn't care what this man had to think. Now, there's a lot of people watching this that say, well, that's wrong. You ought to always care about what people think. No, you can't. That is bondage to try and please every person. Now, I don't go out of my way to offend people. Some of you may think I do because I'm pretty candid in what I say, but I don't, I don't want to offend people. But if I do offend people or if somebody gets offended, if I feel that I caused it, well, then I would be quick to repent and say, I'm sorry for offending you if I did it. But if it's because I'm speaking the word of God and if I feel I've done what God told me to do, then I really don't care about somebody else's opinion. I really don't care. One time I was going up Pikes Peak with a friend of mine and we were hiking and it's like, you know, I don't know, it was a four or five hour uh, hike that we were taking. And we had a mutual friend who loved both of us, but at the same time was very critical of us. And so this guy got to tell me, he says, if you heard what so-and-so has said about us, and I said, I don't want to hear it. So he got quiet. But then in a few minutes, he says, but he said this. And I said, I don't want to hear it. And about 10 minutes later, we were sitting down and taking a rest. And he said, but he said this. And I said, look, I don't care what this guy is saying about me. I don't want to hear it. And he, he looked at me and he says, why don't you care about the things that he's saying against you? And I said, because I don't value his opinion the way that you do. Did you know, in a sense, you, you place value on other people and their opinion. And if a person really is bothering you, it's because you valued them. I've had people come to me before and a woman, I remember a woman said, but my husband said this. And I said, well, why do you care? And she says, but I should care. He's my husband. Well, I understand that she ought to care more than I do because she has to live with him. But you can reach a place to where you are so God focused that even if your mate rejects you, it's not going to devastate you because the only person that you have to have their approval is God. And so I told this woman, I said, your husband could come and say the exact same words to me that he said to you, and it wouldn't hurt me the way it hurt you because I don't value his opinion the way you do. I said, you're the one that placed that value on him. You're the one that has to have his approval for you to be able to function. And I said, you're the one that placed that value. You can change that value. You can put that value on God. And then you can love your husband, not because you do it to get something from him. You can do it whether he ever returns that love or not. You can do it out of true love and compassion for him. And you can be a giver. Man, these are awesome things that I'm saying. And yet very few people think this way. And that's the reason that most people are so susceptible to rejection. Well, we live in a society today where there is this political correctness. And if you say the slightest little thing about a person, they take it and start yelling white supremacy or racism or, you know, all of these different things. And they get offended and they're tearing statues down because it offends them to see this person up there and stuff. It's not those other things that are a problem. It's what's on the inside. Those people are so depraved on the inside. There is a vacuum on the inside that's causing them to collapse. It's not the pressure from without. It's the vacuum from within. You can't control all of these things without, but you can change what's on the inside through turning to the Lord and letting Him fill you so much that it just doesn't matter what other people have to say. 
I'M OUT OF TIME TODAY, BUT AGAIN, I'VE GOT THIS BRAND NEW BOOK ENTITLED MORE GRACE, MORE FAVOR. THIS WOULD BE A REAL BLESSING TO YOU. IF YOU'LL LISTEN TO OUR ANNOUNCER, HE'S GOING TO TELL YOU HOW YOU CAN GET THIS BOOK. I'VE ALSO GOT CD'S AND DVD'S ON IT. AND IF YOU ORDER THE CD'S, THE DVD'S, OR THE BOOK, WE WILL GIVE YOU THIS SELF-CENTEREDNESS, THE SOURCE OF ALL GRIEF, AS OUR GIFT. IT'LL COVER THE THINGS THAT I WAS TALKING ABOUT TODAY. MANY OF YOU KNOW THAT WE HAVE BUILT A 1,022-SPACE PARKING GARAGE TO ACCOMMODATE ALL OF OUR PEOPLE THAT COME TO OUR FACILITIES IN WOODLAND PARK. AND IT WAS AT A $23 MILLION COST, AND WE ARE TRYING TO GET THAT PAID OFF AS QUICKLY AS WE CAN. I FELT LIKE THE LORD SPOKE TO ME ABOUT ENCOURAGING 23,000 PEOPLE TO GIVE A $1,000 OFFERING, EITHER A ONE-TIME GIFT OR PLEDGED OUT OVER A PERIOD OF 10 MONTHS, $100 PER MONTH. IF YOU WOULD LIKE TO BE A PART OF THAT, I ENCOURAGE YOU TO CALL OR write, GO TO OUR WEBSITE AND JOIN OUR 1K CLUB. BEFORE YOU WERE EVEN FORMED IN YOUR MOTHER'S WOMB, GOD ALREADY HAD DETERMINED A PURPOSE FOR YOUR LIFE, A GOD-GIVEN PURPOSE. GOD HAS A PURPOSE TO TRAIN YOU IN WHAT YOU'RE CALLED TO DO, AND I TELL YOU, CARIS BIBLE COLLEGE IS THE PLACE FOR THAT. MAN, IF YOU WANT A LIFE CHANGE, COME TO CARIS. COME ON TO CARIS! The next two to three years could be the most powerful time of your life. If you sit under the Word for four hours a day, for five days a week, for two or three years, I guarantee you, you are going to have God speak to you and start revealing purpose to you. Every one of you are created for a purpose. Do you know what that purpose is? I'D LIKE TO INVITE YOU TO JOIN ME ON SEPTEMBER THE 28TH THROUGH OCTOBER THE 2ND IN WOODBRIDGE, VIRGINIA, AND I'M GOING TO BE THERE WITH RANDY CLARK FOR THE VOICE OF THE APOSTLES EVENT. THIS WILL BE MY FIRST TIME TO BE A PART OF IT. WE HAD RANDY AT OUR FACILITY HERE IN WOODLAND PARK, AND I TELL YOU, GOD TOUCHED A LOT OF PEOPLE'S LIVES THROUGH HIM. I'M EXCITED TO BE A PART OF THEIR EVENT. I ENCOURAGE YOU TO COME AND JOIN US AND GET READY TO BE BLESSED. Andrew's teaching, More Grace, More Favor, is available as a brand new book or as a CD or DVD album made from our daily television broadcast. Each of these valuable resources are available for a gift of any amount when you contact us. This entire series is also available for audio download absolutely free from our website. Or you can get the More Grace, More Favor package, which includes the book and your choice of either the CD or DVD album. This package has a catalog value of $50, but you can receive all of these valuable resources today for just $35. Also today, Andrew has a bonus offer. You can request the Self-Centeredness, the Source of All Grief booklet for free when you order either the book CD, or DVD album from Andrew's new teaching, More Grace, More Favor. The free booklet is limited to one free per household and is only available in the U.S., U.K., Canada, and Australia. Go to awmi.net to see all the ways you can get these teachings. If you haven't yet partnered with us, I'd like to encourage you to pray about it, and then if the Lord says so, join with us. 
because we are taking the gospel not only through television, but we have 8,000 students going through Karis Bible College with over 8,000 graduates. We're pumping out over 200,000 free hours of material on our website, and we're just reaching all around the world. We couldn't do it without partners. So join with us and become a partner with us today. You can become a Grace Partner or order resources through our website at awmi.net. Or you can call our helpline 24 hours a day, five days a week, Monday through Friday at 719-635-1111. I would like to encourage you to check out our social media, all of these different platforms We've got a lot of good news to share, so check it out, our social media for Andrew Womack Ministries.